Hello, and welcome to Vintage Lesbians, a personal journey of friendship and queer history where we try to set the record a little less straight. I'm Shan, one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Allison. And some trigger warnings for this episode. We will be discussing racism, child abuse, abortion, and suicide. Hi, Allison. Hey, Shan. Are you a 1990s uh, movie about dinosaurs starring Julia Child, Walter Cronkite, and John Goodman? Because we're back, baby! (laughs) I thought of that in the shower this morning. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. I should have been, but I wasn't. This is a mistake on on me. This is my bad. Uh, we we are back. We haven't been around, and guys, we're sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really want to get into why we haven't been around. Yeah, I think it's, it's fine if we don't. It's been a lot of of uh, a lot of a lot. Yeah. Um. However, in the interest of being around more uh in between this episode and next week we'll be setting up a patreon um if you would like to uh uh, join our patreon at any level we would be blown away and shocked honestly what i'm hoping for right now is to just get enough to cover our monthly our actual monthly costs Mm -hmm. hosting fees etc take some of the stress off um but we are back uh and i'm excited should we do some catching up? Yeah. Allison. Obviously, like, we only speak to each other if we're being recorded. So it's Correct. been a rough month. Especially because we, because we like, we did move in together mm-hmm. during this month, and we couldn't speak to each just other that whole time. passing each other in silence, trying to speak with our eyes, but failing. I have been gesturing a lot, and my arms are tired. Mm-hmm. So how have you been? How are things? I've been good. I recently moved. Which was nice. Yeah, how's your new place? It's really nice. It's starting to look really like a home. It still has um, boxes and everything everywhere. but Not everywhere. Our living room looks really lovely. Yeah. We got we got a new to us couch. Mm-hmm. We, we set up our podcasting studio out in the open, which is terrifying. And our big dining room table is over by the window. It looks great in here. Yeah, it looks great. You're all invited. Please don't. No, you aren't invited. I'm don't sorry. Don't come to our home. We live here. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's been going on with me, you ask? Oh, hey, Shan, let me ask you a question. How, how, how are you? You know, I'm okay. I've been doing many things. I haven't <laughs> been home much, ironically, since you moved in, because I've been spending a lot of time at my girlfriend's house, which is fine, I think. Yeah, I think that's good. It's pretty good. Right now, they're not working, so they have a lot of free time, and so I'm spending most of my free time over with them. Taking advantage of of the time I get with them while I can. Mm-hmm. It's it nice. sounds good. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Working, sleeping. Mm-hmm. Same, same. Trying to keep my head up. We're doing great. We're doing so great. The sun's starting to shine more. It's great. I have a gift for you. You have a gift in for me? honor of us starting again. Oh my gosh, I'm. I didn't get you anything. It's okay. I didn't tell you I was getting a gift. It just sort of happened. Um, this cost me one American dollar. Okay. Russell, Russell. So I'm going to describe these, and then I'm going to hand them to you. Okay. So these are one dollar Target, uh, St. Patrick's Day socks. And they say, I'm sham rocking around. Um, but I took a green marker, and guess what it says now? Does it say sham rocking? It sure does. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Allison has colored over the white M. In green marker, so that it does instead see, uh, it does indeed say, I'm Shan, rocking it today. 
I'm shan rocking it today. It's mm-hmm. just so good. Yep. Thanks, Allison. Of I'm going to wear these. Happy St. Patrick's Day. They're only going to say my name for one wash, but that's okay. I still have my marker. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Happy St. Patrick's Day. I got you a mint M&M. Oh, thank you. You can have it later because of the crinkles. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about some old lesbians? Yes, please. I have been not getting my queer history in, and I'm I, ready to I learn. I need my queer history fix. My queer history fix. Um, we missed most of Black History Month, so we're still going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and today, I would love to teach you about Audre Lord. I am very excited for this. Let's go then. All right. Born Audrey Geraldine Lord on February 18, 1934, in the Harlem neighborhood of New York City, to Frederick Byron Morse and Linda Gertrude Bomber Lord, both of whom were Caribbean immigrants. You know I love a good name. Oh, I don't there need to are on the names anytime. So many good names. I included so many names for you. You're gonna be oh, thrilled. I'm gonna collect them all like little peaches and put them in my basket. A little peach basket. That's the You're metaphor adorable. that everyone uses. Got away from you there, but <laughs> she was the youngest of three daughters, extremely nearsighted to the point of being legally blind. Uh, she was chubby, she was left handed, and of her sisters, she was the darkest skinned. She also had bad feet and a stutter for which she was repeatedly whipped. Her mother distrusted anyone who had darker skin than she did, which Audra did. Her mother was proud that she could pass as a white Italian person. Uh, Her father was quiet and very distant and never really spent any time with his children. And her two sisters excluded her uh, because in her in sorry, in their eyes, she was the favorite. She was the baby who could break any rule and on the flip side, Audra was jealous of um, what she saw as a very close relationship that her sister shared. And all three of them grew up in a household that discouraged intimacy and closeness. And her sisters didn't exclude her because they were particularly close. They resented Audra because they, um, Phyllis and Helen, were from far too young an age put in charge of Audra. Um, and because... Audra had disabilities. She was often exempt from rules and chores. Uh, But on the other hand of that, Audra wasn't allowed to go outside alone. She wasn't allowed to play or make friends or meet anyone. She was kept very, very isolated as a child. Um, And their parents were very busy. Her father was, like, founding and building up a real estate business in the middle of the Great Depression. And her mother, who was, like, ostensibly a housewife, also worked in her father's office and uh, was a cleaner and also a de facto manager whenever her husband was away. Um, and probably due to the level of isolation, Audra learned to read and write at four years old. Um, it's the one thing her mother taught her, to read and write. Uh, and she struggled a lot with communication as a child. Like She, she didn't use her own words to speak. Uh, so she memorized poetry and used it to speak with. Like, if you asked her how she was doing, she would recite a line of poetry within which there would be the answer. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, It's it's honestly, like, I was reading it, and it kind of strikes me that Audre Lorde was probably autistic, just in a world that didn't know how to identify autism Mm -hmm. in a little black girl. Yeah. Uh, It hurts my heart some. Mm -hmm. When she was 12... She would start writing her own poems when she couldn't find poetry that was already written that would uh, communicate what she wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And she 
she says later in her life that she learned poetry from her mother's strangenesses and her father's silences, uh, which is so poetic. I was going to say that's a very poetic way to say that. It's really evocative. I'm going to be thinking about that later. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, what did I learn Mm -hmm. from silences? And uh, in 1939, Mm -hmm. she began school at a Catholic elementary school. She refused to obey. Uh, she questioned the rules, the religious doctrine. She dropped the Y from her name in penmanship class because mm-hmm. it wasn't as neat or aesthetically pleasing as Audre Lord. Audrey Lord was just a little clunky. Yeah. And the nuns were shocked that Audra was a lord because her sisters were the pictures of obedience. Oof. I know. That's fun. Imagine having that to live up to. I love the reason that she changed her name was just because of the it aesthetic. It looked nicer. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it fit. Like it was a mm-hmm. symmetrical, poetic yeah. Same number of letters, same ending sound, Audra Lord. So good. Uh, throughout her childhood and adolescence, she was surrounded like almost exclusively by women. She went to an all-girls school. She had only sisters. It was her mother and her aunts who were raising her. Other than her father's mostly silent presence, she was exclusively connecting with other women for her whole childhood. In 1945, when Audra was about 11... The, the Lord family moved to the Washington Heights neighborhood. They were the first black family on the block. Uh, it was very, very segregated, this neighborhood. And a week after they moved in, their landlord, so distraught at renting to a black family, killed himself. Jeez. Yeah. What? I don't understand Me neither. that at all. Me neither. And there's nothing else that I can find about him. And honestly, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And isn't Washington Heights a super diverse neighborhood now? It is now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it was like... There was, like, a straight line down the street. I mean, that seems pretty <coughs> consistent with most of American With, history. like, segregation yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um, the move was very good for Audra, though. It gave her more freedom. She was finally allowed outside alone so she could play and jump rope, and she was allowed to walk to school on her own. Oh, wonderful. Because her school was only a block away. It's crazy what a little <sighs> independence can do for someone. Yeah. Audra's parents enrolled her in St. Catherine's School, which, as I said, was a block away from her home, hoping that it would be the school that whipped her into shape, disciplined her, and got her on the side of quote-unquote good. Oh, God, I hope this is when it gets gay. And breaking her temperamental nature. Um, She was the first black student to attend St. Catherine's. Oh. Yeah. So it was an all-white school, and then she Mm -hmm. showed up. Um, In the 30s. Or 40s, In the 40s. 45. Um, But still. She wasn't prepared at all because mm-hmm. the the school that she had been at st mark's uh was all black mm-hmm. and all female so she was she went from like from an all black girls school to uh an all white school that also had or no i hold on st Catharines. i don't remember if there were boys at this one i think at her in the upper grades they were mm-hmm. Or maybe it was, like, the sort of thing where there's also a boys' school at the same campus, but it's a different Yeah, well, like, whether there were boys or not, they were still sep. Like, she was, Mm -hmm. it was still separate. Like, this is still part of her, like, being surrounded by women thing. Like, until about the end of eighth grade, she only went to school with other girls. Um, And, of course, being the first black student in an all-white school, there were just a huge number of problems. Um, She would... She was on the receiving end of very racist bullying. Um, They would make fun of her braids. They would sometimes leave her notes, the other students, saying that she stank. 
Um, she took those notes to the nuns once, and the nuns told her that black people do smell different than white people. That's... But, but that the other students were rude to point it out. <sighs> that is ridiculous. Yeah, no, it made me real mad. Yeah, like, I'm very angry right now. And her parents ignored it, too. They said, like, no, your problems are because you're, 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 you must be making the problems. It's, this is your lack of fortitude. Um, Which is wild, because they're experiencing racism, yeah, too. Yeah, no, I mean, their whole family experienced racism, overt racism yeah. as a family. So why like, wouldn't they, they believe their daughter? Because it's because she, it's, it's because she wouldn't submit to authority. Mm-hmm. That's why she's getting bullied. Like, they all, they went out for ice cream as a family the summer before she went to St. Catherine's, and a white waitress refused to serve them, and they ended up just leaving. Like, that was, and that was um, Audra's first encounter with, like, overt racism, and then she came to this school. She had, she had no preparation. She had no idea. She was in a bubble, and she just got pushed into this world of racism and bullying, and I feel really bad for her. Eventually, her parents allowed her to take the entrance exam for Hunter High School, which was a school for um, students who were gifted, especially in writing. And she uh, passed and got accepted and started attending in 1947. And here is where she got really into poetry. Uh, She loved T.S. Eliot and Keats and Shelley and also um, cites as a big influence on her work uh, the lesser-known Helene Magaret. I have not heard of her. Yeah. Audra credits Helene with helping her not to be afraid of her unacceptable feelings, which is a big mood. Oof. Yes. I, I've, that's definitely been something that I've been struggling with lately. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get into details on a podcast, but... No, we, yeah. we don't. Not on this podcast, Not on anyway. this one. We'll, no. we'll start another podcast about sad stuff and trauma yeah, later. It's called the Mental Illness Crappy Hour. Like, like there's our, like, like the, mental the Mental Illness Happy Hour, happy hour I love but it. like, different. <coughs> maybe not because we might get sued well figure I don't it think out. we'll get sued it's a podcast that's true but let's keep learning about Audra. yes tell me more she found her spiritual home at hunter uh she found her first friends a group of young women who are mostly also from like lower income lower middle income what year was this again 47 okay so she was like 12 getting your first friends at the age of 12 yeah that sucks but also like i'm guessing those friendships were very special yeah um they actually like this was her first literary group like they they called themselves the branded uh they were mostly um immigrants and daughters of immigrants although Mm -hmm. audra was the only uh the black person in the group Mm -hmm. Uh, but they they would write poetry together they would skip class to wander around bookstores they held seances they practiced ma- magic and mysticism, and they all had amazing names. Okay, I'm ready. First, before you tell me their names, I just wanted to point it out there that this would make a great sitcom, and if anyone is listening to this who has any kind of powers in the television world, if you wanted to do a, not even a sitcom, but any TV show about a girl group in the 40s who are into writing and seances and junk, like, do it's it. Like, it's very Dead Poet Society, yeah. but better. Mm-hmm. That's a gift from me to you. From Shan to me to you. Thank so you. So their names were Gloria Page, Joan O'Malley. Okay, yes. Diane DePrima. Ooh, that's a good one. Diane DePrima remained a friend after Audra left Hunter. Um, as I said, she was the group's sole black member and learned to silence that part of herself at Hunter. Um, 
none of the rest of her friends would ever experience the racism that she faced. Mm -hmm. And so she didn't talk to them about it because they couldn't understand. Yeah. And she's probably never had success talking about it with anyone ever. So why would she talk to her family who ostensibly should understand Mm -hmm. Um, her journal from this time? Doesn't say a lot about boys. Um, What? But aren't all small girls just obsessed with boys? Nope. In my journals, if you read back, which you're welcome to if you want, but zero um, mentions of any crushes. Yeah, weird. Weird how that do. Mm -hmm. Um, She she did have another group of friends, mostly black women uh, or young black young. She did have another group of friends who were uh, uh, made up of of the young black women that she knew, and she mostly kept these two circles of friends separate. Occasionally, they would overlap when she would bring them together. Um, But her journal at this time does talk a lot about, like, intimate, almost romantic details about her friends and teachers, female teachers. Mm -hmm. In particular, she writes this about her teacher, Miriam Burstein. Great name. Putting it in the basket. Please. Sometimes, when I think of Miriam, I wish I had never met her. I would never have known the pain... Sorry. I would never have known the wonderful days of happiness, but I never would have experienced the pain I know. But looking at it detached, she's helped me so much, and I'll always have those talks and that June day in the park with her. Oh, Miriam. That is the gayest thing we've ever said on this podcast. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, obviously she's a teacher and it's like a child crush and stuff, but it's still beautiful. Yeah. That um, Audre Lord had a great way with words. Who she knew? sure did. I wonder <laughs> if that's going to come back. Um, her journal also talks about her struggle to get along with her family during this time, in particular her mother, um, whom she thought hated her. Um, certainly her mother disapproved of her friends. One of those friends, Genevieve, or Jenny, was Audra's first love. Oh, I love that her first love was named Genevieve. She was a dancer, mm-hmm. um, and they were passionately in love. They spent as much time as they could together doing all sorts of things, um it's beautiful but genevieve didn't come from a very stable home her father and mother had been divorced before she was born and she kind of resented her mother for that uh and uh unfortunately she committed suicide just before she turned 16 oh no yeah um and audra was understandably completely traumatized yeah absolutely um she felt insanely guilty first of all for not preventing it and also she was catholic Mm -hmm. um and and suicide is wrong mm-hmm. um she grieved so heavily she wrote sometimes she was afraid to go to sleep uh because she was afraid that she wouldn't wake up oh um and she carried the guilt of, of letting jenny die into her adulthood mm-hmm. um she actually wrote a poem about it that i almost included but it was it was too heavy so i didn't mm-hmm. but i'm sure if our listeners were interested <clears throat> they'd be able to find it yeah um, I can probably put a link up to it in the description. Um, Jenny was black, and after Jenny died, Audra really only dated white men and women. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, at 17, she was dating Jerry Levine, uh, and Life at Hunter had had uh, lost some of its sparkle. Um, she was upset at not being elected editor-in-chief of the school paper, and then after a poem, she... Uh, after a poem, she 
submitted to them was rejected due to its sensualist nature, she sent it to Seventeen magazine, who published it and paid her for it. Hell yeah. She graduated Hunter High School in June of 1951 and was pretty disappointed that she couldn't afford to attend Sarah Lawrence. Um, she only got about $1,400 in scholarships and her parents couldn't afford to pay the mm-hmm. rest. Um, she was heaped with praise by her former teachers at her graduation, but she felt it was a very hollow victory. Mm-hmm. Um, so she turned her sights away from Sarah Lawrence toward Hunter College and a job to pay for it, not noticing or perhaps not caring about her father's now failing health. She was very desperate to leave home. Um, she was 17. Finding work was very hard. Um, and she did meet during this time Ida Cullen, who took her to her first literary group outside of the Branded, um, which Audra only attended once, but she would reconnect with um, some of the people she met there um, later at a Harlem writing group. Hmm. In July, she found a job and planned to be at Hunter College in September. And then during a nasty family fight, announced she was going to move out, burned all her bridges, and moved in with a friend the next day. Oof. Okay. I mean, I feel like it was a long time coming. <clears throat> yeah, I think so, too. Um, her relationship with Jerry uh, kind of began to, f- to sour that summer. He mostly wanted to have sex, and she mostly didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went along with it, though, because you know um and her resentment expected yeah her resentment was kind of growing and she felt really lonely and depressed and lost her job because she was too depressed to go to work um so to survive she pawned her typewriter sold her blood and then found a new job as a medical receptionist ended things with levine and started to see a psychiatrist hoping to learn to cope better that seems like the wise choice. And there. she would go on to see many psychiatrists through her life mm-hmm. because we all need help. Yes. Um, in January of 1952, she discovered that she was pregnant. And the day before her 18th birthday, she had an illegal abortion. Mm-hmm. It was probably Levine's child. Who knows? Um, around this time, she began to become disenchanted with Hunter College. It was absolutely nothing like Hunter High School. Um, with the intimate camaraderie that she shared with other women. Um, And she was seeking that kind of intimacy, that camaraderie, when she decided to go back to Harlem. Um, She started to attend the weekly Harlem Writers Guild, which is a workshop that inspired many black writers over the years. Uh, Audra met her mentor here, John Henrik Clark. Um, But Audra still felt uneasy in the Writers Guild. She felt that she was tolerated but not really accepted. Another big mood. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in the fall of 52, Audra dropped out of Hunter College to move to Stamford, Connecticut. Oh, that's a big change. It sure is. And 93, or sorry, 1953, 1953 was a very big year for Audra. She was politicized by the trial and eventual execution of her friend's parents. Uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were convicted of... Um, espionage right yeah it was it was conspiracy to commit espionage they didn't Mm -hmm. actually commit espionage they just um but they were cited as the like ringleaders of Mm -hmm. this like gang of soviet spies um and then later that same year her father died of a stroke oh wow so that's a lot she left stanford and traveled to mexico to live with other leftist lesbians hell yeah okay sometimes when your friend's parents are given the death penalty and your dad also dies, what you need to do 
and this is advice to everyone out there, is move to Mexico with a bunch of your lesbian friends. All right. Yep. So here in Mexico, she finally found a sense of belonging that she'd been craving her whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, And in in 1954, she returned to New York, went on to graduate from Hunter College and Columbia University, and found a job as a librarian. Wonderful. Uh, She began to explore her sexuality with renewed fervor. (laughs) She was a lesbian. She was bisexual. She wasn't butch. She wasn't femme. She was an outsider, even among black women, with her afro, her style of dress. Her own intersecting identities made finding one single community to belong to very difficult. Um, And we'll talk more about intersectionality next week. Yes. So... This is a spoiler alert, kind of, but we were talking, and apparently there's so much information about Audre Lorde out there. She has a huge legacy. So she this sure week, does. we're going to talk more about her life, and then next week, we're going to go into more detail about her legacy, her yeah, advocacy, her... and just on. It's going to be great. I'm excited about um, it. In 1962, she entered an interracial marriage with Edwin Rollins, uh, who was a gay man. Okay. Um, it was a very unconventional marriage. Uh, it was an open marriage. Mm-hmm. And they had two children together. And when her children, sorry, uh, around the time when her children were born in 63 and 64 as uh, when Lord was getting more and more involved with the civil rights movement. Um, and she also began a teaching career at Tougaloo College, uh, graduating classes of black militant poets at Tougaloo. Okay. She met and fell in love with Francis Clayton. Now, Francis Clayton's name sounds familiar to me. Is that a, someone? I didn't really okay. look at it. It's possible that it just sounds like someone else also. It's possible. Um, Audra's romance with Francis facilitated the end of her marriage with Edwin. And Audra's children and Francis and Audra altogether built a life And in 1968, her first collection of poems was published, receiving very, very good reviews. As a lecturer in 1970, Lord engaged her diverse student body on the intersecting identities of class, race, and gender through history and culture. Her black identity became more radical. Uh, Her second book um, outed her lesbianism, but she wanted inclusion in black literary circles, so she removed the overtly queer poems from her third book, which marked her as an overtly political radical. And her fourth book outlined her increasing anger at social inequality. She traveled often to her ethnic roots, spending time in the Caribbean and in West Africa, finding her own spirituality there, uh, which she also talks about in her books. And her fame grew as well. She was in demand for speaking engagements all over the U.S. and abroad, and also took a job as a poetry editor for the Chrysalis, I believe. I didn't write that down. Um, In 1977, she revealed in a speech that she'd had a cancer scare, and in 1978, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and underwent a mastectomy. Um, So cancer survivor was now an indelible part of her identity, just like black, lesbian, mother, woman. It gave her more perspective, it gave her her work a new layer of meaning and immediacy, and her prominence grew uh, even more over those years. She traveled extensively identifying with the lives of all oppressed peoples and she was met with adoration of some and others treated her as an agitator coming in from the outside Mm -hmm. 
It seems like it's always the way. They're yeah, if you're trying to change things yeah. or you're trying to change some ideas or you have new mm-hmm. ones, like get out of here. was an agitator in the most, like, yeah, dictionary the, definition the, of it. In the like, best possible way. You have to agitate something to get anything like you're to not going to get the crap out if you don't shake it up. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in 1985, she was diagnosed with liver cancer. Yeah. In 1988, her relationship with Francis ended. Um, she spent the rest of her life at St. Croix with Gloria Joseph in yet another community full of women. Um, on November 17th in 1992, she died. Her last words being, I don't want to die looking the other way. So she faced death head on. as She did everything her whole life. That's wonderful. How old was she at the end? Um, let's see. Born in 34, died in 92. She was 59. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know about Audre Lorde because of her advocacy and some of her poetry, but I didn't really know her backstory. Yeah. And so I really enjoyed hearing about it. She lived such a life and she's been through so much, but also I'm really struck by all of the little pockets of community that she's yeah, been able to it's find. It's really along the way. like I'm really excited to come back next week and get into the communities that she built and and everything that she did like she she and 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 i'm and i'm gonna have the names next week i swear but she's the one who coined the term intersectional feminism Mm -hmm. and and in my opinion if your feminism is not intersectional it's not feminism Mm -hmm. absolutely 100 percent. if it's only going to be feminism that improves the lives of white women then it's not feminism it's not it's white it's white supremacy Mm -hmm. um but yeah, we'll get more into that next week. Yeah, I look forward to it. How long have we been going? Can I talk We've a little going, bit more? Yeah, we can talk a little okay. more. We have, we've been going for half an hour. Okay. So one thing, so going back to the community thing, I yeah. feel like it's such a good marker of the queer experience. Because, Building your own communities. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know any, all of my queer friends have in some way built their own community. Mm-hmm. Like and We have to most of the time. Yeah, because otherwise we don't find each other. Mm-hmm. When it's, it's going, it's going back to the Arnold Lavelle, uh, Frog and Toad books, being mm-hmm. alone together. Yes, exactly. Uh, when you talked about how Audra joined the student group when she was about twelve or so, um, the branded, yeah. um, that really reminded me of finding your own group of outsiders for the first time. Sh- yeah, and how like feeling like you belong for the first time ever. And I feel like most queer people experience that at some oh, yeah, point. Yeah. It, there, it's that experience of, mm-hmm. of like you say something off off the cuff thinking no one's going to understand this. And then you lock eyes with the other person in the group who did understand it. And immediately, mm-hmm. you know, this person is queer, too. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be friends now. Yes. <laughs> it's it's so good. Um, If you're queer and you haven't experienced that, then I mean, keep going. It's you will gonna happen. You will. It's it's hard. It is really hard. It took me a really long time. Hmm. Here we are. That's all I have on Andre Lord for today. But we'll yeah. be back next week with more about her work and her legacy. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for teaching me. I'm so happy to be doing this again. Me too. I missed Yay. it so much. It's so good. It's so important. Um, Leslie's plug this week is don't say bean things about my friends. And that includes you. You are my friend. Mm-hmm. Also, take care of yourself. Yeah. I think. Uh, you could follow <laughs> Vintage Lesbians on all of the social media is at vintage les pod that's vintage l-e-s-p-o-d or you can send us uh, a gmail yes also at vintage les pod at, at gmail.com. gmail.com yes uh if you want to follow us personally 
I'm just underscore a underscore Shan underscore on the twits and the instas. And I'm Allison Humphreys. And I'm not going to spell that for you, but you can figure it out. You probably can. It's, it's written down in your podcast, yes. I promise. Mm-hmm. That's going to do it for us this week. All right. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye.